Welcome to TNT ESQ. I'm Teresa Quinlan, and I'm here with my co-host, Reese Thomas. This series is all about talking with people who are helping us to think differently so we can do differently. Helping us to examine the status quo, explain the status quo, explode the status quo. Our guest today is Raf Barron, and he is known as the F-word, or Feedback Coach. RAF coaches managers and teams how to navigate through feedback conversations so they avoid all of the pitfalls and capitalize on all of the great things a healthy relationship with feedback provides. We are so excited to welcome RAF to the show today. This is a really exciting topic for us because um, it's one of those things that um, really requires a lot of challenge, really re requires us to examine it and, and be better at it. So here's something pretty interesting. Raf, you come from Nottingham, UK. It's home of the Sky Mirror. Now this is a, an artistic structure. And when people experience this structure, this is what they say about it. It's like a black hole, but it's also mesmerizing. It draws them in, it reflects them back. Much like feedback can be this kind of an experience for us. It could be like a black hole, not what we're expecting, draw us in, reflect us back. And so what you do is you coach managers and you coach teams how to navigate feedback so they could be so much more successful, avoid these kind of pitfalls. We're excited to talk with you about this topic today. So welcome. Welcome. I'm as excited as you are, guys. Uh, it's going to be a good one. Yes, so good. Okay, so here's the first question, and I know everyone that's listening is itching for it. You're obsessed with feedback. What is the story behind how this came about? How did this come to be your thing that you are megaphone yelling from a soapbox? Um, it wasn't one time sort of Evan that told me, yes, feedback is that's what I want to do, and that's, that's my life. It's more of a series of events throughout my life that led me to the point where I'm really obsessed actually with feedback, as you mentioned. So the beginning of the journey is my athlete uh, background. I've done freestyle wrestling for 14 years. So I was always exposed to, to training, to feedback, and to, and to bettering myself and bettering others. Mm -hmm. and then in 2006, for the first time in my life, in a professional environment, I felt like I belong, like I mattered. And I first, for the first time, I've experienced leadership. And I promised myself that from that point onwards, Whatever I'll be doing, I'll be creating the same feeling to the person to my left and to the person to my right. And so I started to diving into leadership books. You know, Ken Blanchard was the first books I started reading, One Minute Manager, and growing my own, my own leadership style. And um, I, would always, I always thought I'm a servant leader, but actually I'm a lot more coaching leader, coaching leadership. And two years ago, it was a tipping point when it really got me interested into feedback only. Um, and it was when I provided completely unsolicited feedback to one of the managers in the restaurant, to Regan. Um, I didn't work with her. She just amazed me in a few occasions when I could, when I was observing her. And so I had to let her know how she makes me feel. Mm. And so I found the opportunity. Uh, I didn't ask for permission actually to share that feedback. I just went there, I introduced myself, and I just let her know how she makes me feel as her guest and how she makes me feel and think about her as a fellow manager. And I've anticipated different responses, but one, Towards the end of it, she was holding back her tears. And she says, Raf, I'm eight months into management job and nobody had told me what I'm really good at. Mm -hmm. And she is a rough diamond, a young manager, like 
you can spot somebody who's got great potential, you know, how she moves with a purpose, how she engages with people, how she delegates, mm. everything spot on, like great, great potential. And nobody wants acknowledge that. Mm. And so I walked away from this conversation thinking, there's a missing angle in here. Like why so many people feel like her being kept in the dark, right? And the missing angle is feedback is not there only to, to help you achieve a better results, improve or, or instill some habits or change some habits or instill new behaviors. It actually has huge influence over your emotional state, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what I started really going a little bit deeper into it and understand actually there's a lot more to it and it's time to challenge that status quo that you've said. Yeah, great. <laughs> well said. <laughs> Very well said. One of the things that you brought up was your um, sense and need of belonging. Like so many years ago, I mean, it's from the day that we're born. We want, it, we want to belong, right? We need to find our tribe. So your sense of belonging led to your development, your own personal development, uh, cultivating this coaching style within leadership. And until a point that you have a pivotal moment that really changes your outlook on what feedback is and how it is. And so from that point forward, what have been the strides that you've been making towards, look guys, this is what we can't do anymore. And this is what we have to be doing to actually be successful when it comes to um, impacting people's emotional states and giving them feedback to be more exceptional, not necessarily to change. It was a, Actually, it's a hard work on my behalf, if I'm honest with you, because another challenge for me is I found it difficult to even understand that people act defensively against feedback. As, as, as I mentioned, I, I've done 13 years in, in, as an athlete, and I believe every single athlete welcomes feedback. I've never seen a one professional athlete declining feedback, arguing against it. So in my mind, it's always been feedback is natural to me. People letting me know so I can improve, and the same should be at work happens to be it's completely different at work and so what I get really intrigued with is with this, with this feedback paradox is why everyone says they want to get better everyone understands the value of the feedback and yet we behave so differently and so I turn on my curiosity into it and start reading, reading more around our human behavior so I switched away from leadership books and went more into psychology social psychology neuroscience and start digging into answers over there. And there is, that's where I found a lot of answers to the questions that I, that I couldn't even understand to start off with. So how does the neuroscience come into it? I'm interested in that. That's uh, not something I've considered. What, what can you tell us about that? Right, so from, from that angle today, uh, neuroscience gives us so much more insight into our behaviors and understanding uh, how we behave. You, one of your latest posts was about a meditation, right? You're studying a lot, of, a lot about meditation. Yeah. Now, if you dive, dive into neuroscience books, you will find the reasons why meditation works. So up to 30, 40 years ago, even 15 years ago, people would say, well, meditate because it works. And because it works, you advocate for it, you coach it, but you don't really understand really what exactly happens in here, right? What neuroscience gives us now is you can really see what happens in here. What happens if, if I actually have a conversation with you, right? One of the most interesting discovery for me was when I've learned that a simple exposure to a person that is senior in position to you in a hierarchy environment flares up the same defensive mechanism as if you were at danger. Right? It doesn't fully fire off, but it you know puts you in an alert state. So imagine just that piece of information gives you 
a lot better understanding why we behave in a certain way uh, when we have a feedback conversations. So what I did, I've created an entire concept that works for me and works for other managers that you actually communicate and lead without using formal authority. You know? So I challenged mm -hmm. myself, how can we do that? There is no authority within my language, within how I behave, how I make decisions, how I communicate. How can I take away as much authority as possible so I create that safe environment? Oh, I'm with you there. Brain imagery. Uh, and it's almost like uh, you can see the allergic reaction happening. And I'm with you there because as a kid, I remember being completely resistant to people telling me how to do things, getting feedback, so to speak, from either a teacher or a parent. It didn't really matter who. But as an adult in the workplace, uh, while I did have formal authority, none of these people felt like authority figures to me. They, they never felt like they had, while they may have had a different title, they never felt like they had this sort of power or more knowledge or more expertise. And so perhaps that's why in those relationships for me, no allergic reaction. Their feedback was just feedback. Now I have been in situations, Reese, I don't know about you, where you've gotten feedback from someone that you're a little intimidated by and that reaction, you feel it in your brain, you feel it in your emotional response. There is, there is a constant need for us to understand where do I belong in that social environment, in that, in that hierarchy, right? In that group, you know, whether I sense that you're trying to diminish my status by raising yours, as in, you know, blowing off my candle to make your uh, shine brighter, I will behave accordingly with it. And I will just get that defensive stance, right? So even simple things like if you communicate and you say, you know, can you do that for me? I don't want to see this anymore. You know, this needs to be done that way. I don't want to hear that anymore. It, it signals that, that, that hierarchy, right? That authority. And it, we keep on registering it and we're getting resistant against it. So next time around, if I have to talk to the manager who actually communicates that way with the best of his or her intention, mm -hmm. only inhibiting the, uh, the bad habits that we've developed over the years mm -hmm. is enough for us to already walk into the conversation with our defensive stance, right? You as a leader, you have to create environment when you enter the conversation in a receptive state and then sustain it. And that's, that's the whole trick is all about. How do I get you into that receptive state through my behaviors, through the environment, through um, how I communicate, everything, timing, so you are relaxed, so the armor isn't up. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because all the, the examples that you're talking about here, it seems to me you're really focusing on feedback as um, a negative or a con constructive feedback. I'm interested to know if there is any difference when you're giving a positive feedback. There isn't going to be those same um, intrepidations or inhibitions or, you know, allergic reactions, to use your quote. Um, how does it differ when it's a positive um, feedback? That's a great question. Great question, indeed. Um, at the moment, because label has such a bad, feedback has such a bad label, even your attempt with providing positive one, triggers that immediate response as in what's, what's, what's in here, right? What's next? And like the other shoe. The other shoe's going to drop. A good one, something bad's coming behind it, yeah. <laughs> feedback sandwich, right? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's another one, why? So people, but by now a lot of them can sense that there's a feedback sandwich, there's a good news, right? You're trying to soften the end of the field, then mm -hmm. you drop that shoe and then you're trying to make it nice at the end of it. Mm -hmm. And back to your, your question, uh, we are wired to get those positive Feedback. We are wired to, to hear that we actually belong, we contribute, we are, we are part, of, part of the tribe. It changes the entire uh, 
the chemi chemicals in, in our brain completely change yeah. when we have those positive conversations versus those negative. And then mm -hmm. your entire physiology changes and approach as well. And you are in that relaxed state. Now, let's say you might providing me with positive feedback, but if you don't pay attention again to how I want to receive it and how you behave at a time, you may take completely away everything and then I will move into questioning your intention, right? Are you authentic or not? Now, there is this famous study that loads of coaches misinterpret it and they're trying to influence people and get them to sign up for the courses, which is the Mehrabian rule, which is, you know, probably you've heard only 7% of uh, communication is what we are saying, right? Right. That's not true. Or right. actually it is, but there is context to it. Right. The context is if your words do not match your body language, right. then I would believe your body language, your tone of the voice, and wouldn't believe or trust your words that you are saying. Yeah. So you, if you utter the words, well done, I'm proud of you, but you, you, you're talking through, you know, you know um, with a clenched fist or, or you know, you just... <laughs> exactly right yeah. let you know let me know when you're passing through the office quickly and then you, you're angry or you haven't reset your emotions from the encounter from the conversation that you had five minutes ago and you're still that in that you know um in the state that you your emotions are high if you don't yeah. reset yourself and then you compliment me right after what i'll do rather than listening to what you're saying i would pay attention to the social cues mm -hmm. and then like i would be well are you actually genuine or is it just only thick box exercise right mm -hmm. There's a lot of data and a lot of studies and a lot of science that's out there, right? And part of having a show like this is to be able to claw through all of that and bring forward for people some shit that they can apply <laughs> and make things different. Because that's what we really want to bring to our audience is, okay, so what do we do about it? Because there's even information, like for every one piece of negative feedback, I need four positives. Well, I mean, there's a standard deviation in there because I don't need four for one. I'm sure Reese doesn't, his number isn't one and four. Yours isn't one. We can't just stick everybody in this box and say everyone is exactly the same way. So if we want feedback to be insanely productive within our work environment and perhaps use some of what we learn in our life in general, where do we start? Right. I'll just quickly mention that ratio that you, you just said, uh, because there's lots of people trying to call different numbers for different reasons. Mm. And there isn't a perfect number and there are conditions to it. You've mentioned one of them. You may not need that ratio right now, or actually you may need it. It depends on which stage with certain skill sets you are. Right? So if you're novice to something, you need a bit more affirmation, a bit more encouragement. If you are pro, then you don't need to be patted, you don't need to be patted on your backs all the time. So the ratio changes. Um, I tried to find out what is the perfect one and where does it come from. And I believe it comes from the fact that there is a professor, uh, I forgot his name. Uh, I'll send you the details, guys, about it. He could predict with 90% of accuracy whether the marriage will fail or not based on how they communicate. And the, the one that, that, that thrived most, they had that ratio of five positive in, in, uh, engagements, interaction, communication versus one negative. Hmm. That's where people start looking at this five versus one. Right? Yeah. Yes, and there is truth to it. It proves that, it shows that, you know, we are wired more to that positive. We need that affirmation. We need to belong. We need to feel safe. Because again, we are biased to assume negativity, better safe than sorry, in terms of survival. So I'm guessing that's where it comes from. But it's dangerous to take that number and say, go to the manager. So by the way, you need to go 5-1, right? Mm -hmm. Because then you would start searching for a reason just to say five, 
positive so you can mm -hmm. actually challenge someone. Yeah. No, you can do one-to-one -one if you have to. Just make sure you segregate them. You don't do them together, right? Yeah. Pray, you know, give the credit where the credit is due, absolutely. And when you have to hold somebody accountable, do it without mm -hmm. searching for something to sweeten it up with, mm -hmm. okay? So um, that's, what, that's the uh, answer to it. But you've asked me, where do we start? Where do we um, start? Yeah. If you, if you, what, what, what do you mean by start exactly? Where do you start with yourself? With so, your uh, yeah. So you and I, let's say you and I work together and I'm your new employee and you're going through my job profile, all my expectations, you know, it's my first day on the job and I'm going to have to start working. So where do we start? Sure. Let's just have one conversation together so we get to know each other better, but don't keep that conversation in a very formal way. Where do you see yourself in a four years time? Right. What's your objectives at work? It's very formal and it just doesn't, doesn't build that trust. You don't build that relationship. Mm. Instead, learn something about the person and have a conversation with them. Find out what they want to do and offer, mentor that person in the future. Let them know who you are, what's your background. For me, I'm open and honest with, with, with my teams. Mm. And you know that I am an athlete. And I'll tell you, this is, this is who I am. This is how I, how I open this feedback. Let me know if this works for you. But for me, you can always count on one thing. I will always have feedback for you. So for me, it's being authentic with you. For you, it might be something, I'm not saying don't be authentic. For you, it could be different. You can approach the conversation differently. And it doesn't have to be in one formal setting to establish the rules, how we're moving forward, right? right? Learn more about that person. Find their dreams, find their passions, their strengths. Let them tell you what they, what they need to do, okay? And then... Have those conversations as you go along. Build that relationships through the positive feedback in the first place. Mm -hmm. right? So you can almost assume and it's almost guaranteed that the person had a bad experience with the feedback in the past. Mm -hmm. right? And so that they will project that experience onto you. So you have to strip it down step by step. Start with a positive. Um, be positive and be detailed about it. Don't just say, hey, good job. Mm -hmm. Explain exactly why the person um, amazed you, surprised you maybe. Uh, where did it do well? Let them know exactly why. Turn it into small coaching conversation and one by one, you earn the right later mm -hmm. on to challenge a person yeah. openly. Earn the right. Mm -hmm. you think about that, Reese? Earn the right. Is there ever a place for unsolicited feedback? Um, <clears throat> I think always there's a place for unsolicited feedback. I think, like you're saying, it... it it goes back to establishing that connection and that um, support from day one so that that person feels comfortable with you and vice versa in whatever the scenario, whether you're giving them positive feedback, whether you're giving them um, a coaching opportunity, whether it's just uh, a general training part of the process. All these little things, they all start adding up, and they put all the different pieces in the puzzle so that you've got that relationship so that there is no, for me, when I've worked with um, um, people or I've been getting feedback from someone else, if I have a good relationship with that person, if I trust that person, and if I um, believe what they're saying, then the feedback is always receptive. It, I always, I'll maybe not take everything that they, they suggest, um, but I'll take the things that I need. And if I'm open to um, making changes, um, that's because they've already built that uh, psyche in my in my mind you know it's about it's about being a good leader in the first instance if you're doing your job as a leader i don't believe that um there's going to be issues with feedback regardless of what it is how serious it is whether it's positive whether it's negative if you've done your job as a manager or as a leader 
I don't believe that um, there's going to be this big, crazy negative reaction or, um, you know, maybe some people will be caught up in the moment, but hopefully they'll have that opportunity to reassess that and, you know, have, having opportunities to circle back to things, you know, we'll have this conversation today, go away and think about it, don't react to it, process it, analyze it, and maybe we'll catch up again tomorrow and we can go through. Or I'll say, how do you think that went? So I'll give them the opportunity to first describe to me their perspective, their understanding of what the situation was. So that immediately gives it more of a conversational sort of frame to me. It means that they're probably going to be more reciprocal to my um, response. They won't see it as just me coming in with a, this is how you should do this, Teresa. Um, they'll be more, um, <clears throat> more open. Yeah. Well, no, you don't have to leave with your power, so to speak, right? So, Raph, if this is, I mean, I mean, if this is how, it's a simple strategy. Start with getting to know someone and have conversations to build trust between you and the other person. A relationship, you got to build a relationship first, especially in the working environment. So, why is this so difficult for people to execute on? I mean, there is no one answer to it. Sure. Partially is feedback as we know it's about 65 years old today right the format the first uh, mentions about feedback at work that, that i could find is back then into 1955 okay mm. and so world has changed so much to today but that feedback format hasn't as much and so we still apply the same rules the same principles and approach to it that worked when it was new and fresh to a degree and we, we continue to use it up to today but that's, that's where actually the, all the problem starts, really, because we have took a concept of management mm -hmm. and feedback and throw it upon people and told them, just because I pay you, you have to obey and listen. Whilst we as a human species, we know how to collaborate, how to live in a tribe, right? That's how we survive. That's how we, mm -hmm. you know, that's how we are today. If we, we wouldn't learn how to do that, we wouldn't be in here. We don't have this conversation, right? Mm -hmm. But we've done it through the trust through clear intention of you, through mutual respect, and it's all earned, not given, right? And all of a sudden we bring in the work concept that, hey, are you coming to my organization? I'm gonna hire John, and you have to listen to him because he's two letters above you. Mm. And there is that expectation that you will do it. And then the same expectation actually stops people from providing that positive feedback because I'm paying you for doing a good job. There's this bonus systems in the workplace. Why would I even thank you for it? If you get paid, for what you do. And so we, over the years, we, we almost started to believe, or most of the managers believe that's the way it is and we should carry on that way. It right. isn't, it's a lot of harm. And I'm so glad that you've said, you know, just challenge that status quo because we have to challenge how we actually perceive that feedback and how we provide it. Well, yeah? so we're kind of primed for it a little bit in school. It, the hierarchy of the teacher is the one who gives you feedback on how well you're learning. If you learned it well enough in their eyes, did you get the right or wrong answer? Uh, you know, an assignment or project must be done to these specifications and you're being graded sometimes even on a bell curve or sometimes in relation to the person who did it the best out of the class. So there's, you know, this um, comparison that ends up happening as well. And some of our school systems are adjusting that 
So there is much more of a dynamic approach to learning and proof of learning, but not really, not much of a stretch. So now when we come in the workplace, we're, we're primed for almost that kind of feedback and being able to accept that kind of feedback. And yet we're still a little bit resistant to it. Yeah, we are resistant because what we are trying to battle is we're trying to battle with, with the systems that is wired within us for thousands of years, right? right? And I would say actually we are wired to that hierarchy feedback and conversations earlier than that. Think about older siblings, think about parents, right? That, that father who comes from work and just, you know, says, just do it because I said so. No more argument. I said it, do it, right? And you don't have much autonomy within those conversations. You go into the school, it's again, one-way conversation very much. You've done this, that's your grade, off you go, next one. Again, very little autonomy. This is our primary need to feel that autonomy. And I don't mean do the job on your own. I mean the autonomy as in, do I have a say in here or I don't? And if you take that autonomy away from me, I will rebel with it. I will actively engage with you and I will just fight against you, right? That gets where the tension goes up and when the arguments uh, takes, takes place. Mm -hmm. Or I will just withdraw in my mind completely, but I walk away and I will make sure that it, it, this conversation will bite you back. So if it's in a working environment, then I will just complain and moan about you. I will sabotage my work so you don't get those results. Okay, so we have to completely change it, strip it off and create a conversational style rather mm -hmm. than just one way. And this is how it is because, you know, I'm, I'm above you. Right? Mm -hmm. Every single adult will tell you, of course, trust and respect is earned. Right? then why would we behave differently when it comes to feedback and, and, and at work? You, you throw it upon people as if it's a job and you, 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 have to, you shouldn't put any consideration into it. Earn that trust. Exactly, exactly. Um, look, at the start of it, you talked about your, your athletic um, uh, past and at that sort of environment, you feel that everyone is, let's say, primed again to accept feedback. So it made me think about that and it made me think, well, what, what, do you, what do they do differently in that scenario that, that builds that feeling? I mean, it's, it's the way I thought of it was that there's like a sort of a debrief session after every event or every day, maybe you'll get together collectively, you'll have a discussion or, or maybe individually. Is that something that would work in a, in a workplace? Is that something that you've tried? Is that something that you've read about? Or what are your views on that? Right, so no, there is nothing, it has nothing to do with a debrief session before or afterwards. It's, it's one number one is the relationship that you build with your piece and with your coach. We spoke about it already a little bit, but there's two, another two things that are critical in here. Number one is the growth mindset that athletes have, right? Most of us, we truly understand that with each piece of feedback, we grow. It doesn't matter whether I like it or not. If I listen to what you said and I improve on it, then I'll get better, right, at my craft. I'll grow from it. So yeah. essentially you start associating that each piece of feedback, you get better, right? My coach sees my movements differently than I do. I'm in the middle of the battle, right? As a wrestler, I can't see the angle of my hips. I can't see how I reach my hand, right? He does that. And so I understand that I would listen to him. But secondly, and this is something that is hugely untapped today uh, at work, which is intrinsic motivation, mm. right? Each piece of feedback that comes my way as an athlete, I know that I grow skill sets that are mine and mine only. I don't work for you. I don't work for you. I don't work for you. Even though the benefits from it, it is the organization as in club that I represent, right? Because, you know, my club got the results. If I'm, you know, a British champion or Polish champion, my club gets, you know, more sponsored, et cetera, et cetera. My coach gets paid as well. 
And so there is that system when actually is like the better I get, more people benefit from it. But at work, we rebel against it. Right? If I listen to you, if I choose to listen to you, even if I don't like you, what do I have from it? Almost nothing. You get the bonuses, company grows, you know, grows, company gets millions. I've got the smallest pieces of the pie, piece of the pie in here. You mm -hmm. get most of it. Versus if you, if you turn it around and look from interesting motivation, you are actually creating and giving away the whole cake to the person to consume. Mm -hmm. And that's why we don't sabotage our you know, efforts and the feedback because I know I grow skill sets that will help me throughout my life. I, I always say I'm a wrestler, right? I don't compete. Last time I competed professionally was 2010. But I'm wrestled for life because everything that I've learned over there from physical abilities up to today, mental abilities, it's still with me. Mm -hmm. And so let's take this concept to work now and learn how to provide feedback, coaching feedback, then and sounds something like this in your mind. Teresa, if, I, if you listen to it right now, in 10 years' time, you still benefit from it, right? Riz, if you listen to me now, you will be a better parent with your kids. Versus you have to do it because that's your job, that's your responsibility, and you haven't delivered. It's mm -hmm. the same feedback, the same skill set, the same observation that I've seen but change the language, change the focus points, and people either will engage more or just sit back and it's like, I'm not actually bothered, especially if I'm on the exit. If I'm thinking about exiting the company, why, why would I even listen? But if you yeah. exit the company, yeah. So in the conversational style of feedback, tapping into or remembering from your relationship building, the yes. intrinsic motivators that are driving them to want to have this job in the first place. So if I'm connected to, look, I need this job to keep a roof over my head. Then when I go into feedback for you, I need to remember this is about them surviving for their family. So when I go into the conversation, I might be starting with something around the world of what I'm about to tell you is going to help you keep that roof over your family's head. So in, in a way, yes. In a way? In a way, yes. I wouldn't say say directly that way because no. it's, it's more, a bit more uh, almost manipulative, right? It's kind of like <laughs> you just have to tap into certain things and you can do it in a way that people understand that my intention is to help you be a good parent. So even if I establish a relationship that I'm helping you become a good parent or father, it doesn't have to be through the feedback itself. It could be, you know, hey, how's your daughter? How's the cinema last week? Mm -hmm. I, I care about you, about your family. And I ask a lot about your family. It means I care about your family. So if I provide you feedback, you start linking points. Like, it really means well for my family. He, he think, right? If, if, if my child was ill, he was really concerned or she was really concerned. And so you're building the whole relationship. Right. And the standard relationship is to help me here, right? Or in a way like, let's just say, uh, I've interviewed you and you've told me that empathy is one of your core values. That's a piece of information that you want to have. Because then if I provide you the feedback that you're walking away from your core values versus you're not delivering against your job description, yeah. look at the power of it. Mm -hmm. I'm concerned that you're behaving in a way that takes you away from your core values, Teresa. I would love to have the conversation with you because I'm worried that will only get worse with the time. Right? Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, it disarms a lot. It's like you really care about, you remember what I said in my interview. Yeah. And now you, you, observe, you take your time, observe those behaviors, and now you come to me to have a conversation around it. You care about me. Your intention is clear now, right? You've paid into my emotional bank account now. And so, and that's how you build that relationship moving forward. 
So I want to talk about um, training in, in, in respect to feedback. So you're obviously in the industry that you're working in, training is really important. You go through various um, tests and whatever it might be. Is there a place for training at, for giving feedback and for receiving feedback in particular? Is that something you as a manager can do with your team so that maybe they didn't get it this time, but if we keep working on it, they're going to build this, this, um, uh, feedback muscle, if you like, so that every time you speak to them in the future, they can be more receptive. They can also turn the, turn the tables on you and it can be more of a two way street. You both learn, you're both improving. Is that yeah. something to work? Absolutely. I would actually say, start with yourself. So mm -hmm. start looking for that feedback and providing the positive. So that's the first two steps. Start with positive feedback, small, and then start asking for feedback. But here's the thing. You can't just go straight away and say, hey, how was my presentation, right? Because people, again, have that bad label with the feedback and it just all of a sudden is like, what, what is it that you really want away from here? Where is that change of behavior all of a sudden, okay? So you might start with something simple if you just change, I don't know, layout of your, of your office, right? Ask if that actually works. What do you think about it? A simple conversation that is actually, you ask for your, I'm asking you for your opinion. So just as specific, just as specific, when you're soliciting feedback as a leader, when you're soliciting feedback from your people, be as specific in asking for, in what you're asking for from them as you would be when you give feedback. When you give yeah. praise, you have to be very specific. So, so don't leave it up to interpretation of like, I don't know what you're asking from me. Am I supposed to give you constructive feedback? Am I supposed to give you positive feedback? I don't know. So I just blurt out the first thing that comes yeah. to mind. Or I just say something as androgynous as it's cool. <laughs> exactly. Imagine, imagine we, we finish uh, this conversation, you know, you switch off the recording button and then I go, hey guys, so how did I do? If the question is difficult, right? Our mind is wired to change it and replace it with something as simple. So if I would ask you if there is any um, politician candidate, if I ask you, is he going to be a good politician? Now, unless you are an expert, right. you don't really have the answer to it, but your brain will quickly trick you and will solve it with something that it's simpler and easier to answer, which would be, do you like him? Right. And you say, I actually like him. I think he will do well, right? Mm -hmm. And so now if you are a recruiter and if you recruit people, they often, if you're not experienced enough, people getting confused. And our brain is, is actually what, like I said, there is, I forgot exactly how it's called, but it's Daniel Kahneman talks about it in his book, uh, fast, fast thinking, slow thinking, fast thinking. Uh, we actually replace those difficult questions with simple because we don't want to sound like we don't know what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And so we are opinionated, but we're just answering the wrong question. Mm -hmm. What just happens in a split second. So if I ask you how well I did, you don't know what you wanted to start, you're trying to be kind to me, and you say, hey, you did really well. I really enjoyed this conversation. It was dynamic, it was la there was a lot of laughter. Well, it might have been loads of laughter for you, but if I haven't provided you loads of value around feedback, that doesn't, um, that it's not an answer to the question that I really would want to hear from you. I, I want to know how well I did as a guest on your show around feedback. But if I don't do that, you might confuse it with likability and you say, hey, you did well. Mm -hmm. We still so like you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So be, so be specific because again, it just, number one, you're working on the skills that you want to have, right? And, I, and, I, and I've learned it as well through my uh, public speaking career that I'm building now. I was working on the skill set that wasn't relevant to me at that time. I thought I have to work on my 
the pace of my talk, but when I ask specifically to the audience and to you actually guys, you too as well, when you watch the right. videos about it, you told me, no, it's not the case. But if I wouldn't ask you about the pace and I told and I asked you how well I did or not did, didn't, didn't do as a, as a public speaker, you probably even wouldn't mention my pace of talk because it wouldn't come to your mind. By the way, your pace of talk was good, right? Unless I ask you for it. Right. So be also specific. It saves you the time. It builds better relationship and you get what you want. That's mm -hmm. also important. Mm -hmm. So we've mostly been talking about um, uh, feedback from a manager to um, an employee. What about peer-to-peer -peer feedback? Is there mm -hmm. a, a different dynamic to that? Is that something that you would help with? Is that something that works better than a manager giving feedback? For example, if we had no managers, how would it, how would it work? Would the peer, peer feedback be um, more receptive, less informative? Mm -hmm. What do you think? Tough question, my friend. Tough question because I don't have any data to, to, to back myself up with. Uh -huh. But what I can say is actually the principles are the same, maybe to the lesser degree, as in people will more likely listen and provide the feedback. But it, again, it goes down to what the relationship is between you. Because if you exactly. are to, again, it's that, you know, right? We are social animals, I mentioned it, and status is one of our primary needs. I have to understand yeah. where I am in that team. If I'm at work, where I am, right? And so if you are both having the same job title, now what you're trying to do, are you trying to prove me that I'm not good enough by being smart as and love it, you know, and boost your own ego. So it's about how I read the intention behind the feedback. It's not about who provides it. It's about how do I perceive your intention, right? You might, yeah. you might have a great intention, but the perception is the king in him, my friend. And so if I think you're trying to diminish my status, if I think you're trying to prove the point, then I will act exactly the same way that, as I would with manager, probably even worse because with you, I can actually argue more openly than with a manager. With a manager, yeah. I would just shut down more likely and just, just soak it. With you, it could just go really bad. And then our relationship, I would, be, I would keep on sabotaging you and you would sabotage me. So it's all about the relationship and understanding the, the intention behind it. Exactly. It comes back to that really simple question that you said a minute ago. Do I like them? Do I, I like them? If I like you, I'm going to listen to anything you say. As I said before, yeah. I might not follow through with everything you're saying, but at least I'll be in a, in a, a relaxed, receptive state and maybe I'll go away and think about it later. Whereas if I don't like you, it doesn't matter what you tell me, even if it's something that will really help me, I'm not going to listen because I've already got my armor up. I'm already not, you know, who are you to tell me? That's, the, that's my immediate reaction, isn't it? You know, if I don't like you, then I'm not exactly. listening. That's like the lowest common denominator within feedback is first we have to have a relationship where we mutually is mutually satisfying. We, yeah. we both care about each other. We both respect each other. It's built on trust and compassion for each other. We have that. Then we can do the other things that come from that. And, you know, under emotional intelligence, this is a really nice connection under emotional intelligence that's supported by three other skills. One is self-actualization. So if I'm pursuing things that I'm passionate about and get, uh, allow me to leverage the things that I'm good at, interested in, I have strengths in, then I feel good about myself. That makes it easier for me to formulate relationships with other people already. If um, in problem solving, if we've got strong relationships, trust and compassion, then we will engage in a dialogue and be able to look at, you know, what's the target condition we're trying to achieve. So how can we both 
contribute to achieving that goal. And then the other one is independence. Can I be free from your emotional state and still be in a dialogue so I won't be overly empathetic or overly assertive or I won't um, destroy our relationship for the sake of being right, for example, or because my emotions are kind of going haywire. Absolutely. For, mm -hmm. for every manager that, for, for every manager employee things like, you know, feedback is actually very structuralized and, and we have to do it and it's just people shouldn't act defensively. I always ask this question. Imagine if I provide you one feedback, the same piece of feedback comes from two different people to you, right? Mm -hmm. One that you trust and like, one that you distrust and dislike. Can you honestly tell me that you respond to it in the same manner? Same piece of feedback. Yes. <laughs> if you are honest, the answer no. is always, no, I can't. I, I would no. never do that, which already mm -hmm. proves the point. You have to build the direction first, first, in the first place. That job title means nothing if I don't trust you. I'll pretend that I listen to you, or it could be that somebody is really strongly growth mindset person and has a resilience and has a mindset to learn, then it will just bite the tongue. I don't like him, but he's actually right and I make it my own. But that's just rare scenario at work. Most of the time, you don't have people that are feedback savvy and they just can filter all that bullshit and everything and to get the best out of it. It's just not yeah. reality. Right. So there's a company called Valve. Have you heard of this company? They are a managerless workplace. They have no hierarchy. And it was started in the late 90s. Is it the game one? Valve yes. So I've read a couple of articles lately uh, about this company. They were sent to me. And um, the one article talks about, it's amazing. It's a managerless structure. You, you know, peers decide they want to work on a project because they're interested and they sort of decide on the team that's going to work on it. They're self-organizing, self-orienting, a little bit like tech companies tend to be as well with agile practices, scrum practices. Um, and then there's also more articles on the other side of like, ooh, you should see their glass door ratings. And, you know, they talk about it being magnificent, but as soon as you're in there, it becomes cliqued just like high school was. People don't like you, you're not part of the group, and soon enough you decide to leave or you're asked to leave, one or the other. And so it's interesting to see both sort of opinions come out of this company and take a look at well, you know, managers in a workplace are important. They're relevant. They're necessary. The structure itself is necessary. How managers are behaving with their quote unquote power mm -hmm. is what we really need to be looking at, what we really need to be helping them with. And one of those things is, well, one of the outcomes of how they work with their power is, can you give feedback in a way that impacts people's performance? Intriguing. I need to look into it, but I actually do believe that there is, it creates a, a different set of problems because even though it's a great concept having no managers, we are still humans. We have our own flows and mm -hmm. somebody will want to be a little bit higher on that hierarchy, a little bit above others. And so they will try to impose it one way or another, right? Mm -hmm. Formal and informal. So I can, I can imagine that happening and I'm curious now to know how they're solving it. Um, because every now and then you just have to use it and just have to make that decision using that formal authority and move forward. Uh, the problem is it's just being abused way too frequently and it's a default setup. But I'll definitely look into it a little bit more because yeah. it's intriguing. Awesome idea. Um, all right, so I think we've, uh, we've learned quite a bit today, um, Raf. I really, really uh, love some of those things. I'm particularly going to go and look about the, the neuroscience thing. It's a particular interest of mine. So thank you for that. Um, Thank you for sharing your expertise with all our viewers. Um, and 
if you want to connect with Raf, if you want to find out more about him, maybe get that 10 minutes feedback or less, um, you can visit his uh, website, which is feedbackcoach.co.uk. And you can email him at raf at feedbackcoach.co.uk. We'll put all this information at the end of the show so everyone can see it. But um, what we like to do at the end, Raf, um, we want to send you away in a good, positive, happy mood. We have a little game we like to play, a rapid-fire Q&A question. Ten questions. I'll give you one alternative or another. You just simply have to give me your instinctive reaction. Choose yes or no, essentially. Um, pretty straightforward. Ten statements, two choices. Pick. We will be recording them. We will be analyzing them to you know, everything the nth degree. Um, to be honest, it's more important than the whole show, really. These same questions are going to mess up a whole lot. Everything, yeah, yeah. everything that you will say from now onwards can be used against you, right? Yeah. It could be, yeah. We'll wait to see what your answers are, yeah. Let's see. All right, so you ready? Shoot. Okay, number one, manager or leader? Leader. Number two, active or reactive? Active. Number three, black and white or gray? Gray. Number four, optimistic or realistic? Optimistic. Nice. Uh, important one here. Uh, number five, Canada or England? <laughs> I'm biased, so England. I live in here. Uh, That's fair. That's fair. Um, number six, heart or head? Heart. Lovely. Number seven, empathy or assertiveness? Empathy, today. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, number eight, introvert or extrovert? I'm in between, but I have to choose, right? I'm guessing. You have to choose, yeah. Introvert. Wow, okay. Number nine, logical or emotional? A lot more emotional today, nowadays. Cool. And last but not least, innovation or process? Innovation. Right, just want to say thank you to you. You've been an excellent guest. We really enjoyed learning about um, feedback. And we look forward to uh, bringing you the next episode real soon. Thanks very much for joining into TNT ESQ. Yes, Raf, one last question. And one question for each of you, right? Ooh. What was the most valuable part of this interview for you? When you describe the cake, the sliver of the cake that people are feeling like they're getting as part of their involvement of their organization, when you focus on intrinsic motivation and providing them autonomy, you give them the whole piece of the cake. And that just sort of, it gave me the most visceral reaction. Very interested in the psychology behind it and the the neuroscience behind it like you i have a gut reaction or an instinct about something but i like to be able to go back and back it up with the data so as you mentioned before meditation the fact that neuroscience are now proving that it has all these positive effects that's one of the things that really excites me so i'm going to now look at the neuroscience and the psychology behind feedback and i'm going to use it next time i speak with uh, with you raf for sure and uh, maybe with Teresa, maybe with my wife Hey, thanks for joining us on this episode of TNT ESQ with myself, Teresa Quinlan, and my co-host, Reese Thomas. It was a pleasure having you stop in and listen. Until next time, keep challenging the status quo.